Well, hello, welcome along to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio and LCFC TV after what was very nearly a brilliant result for Leicester City on Sunday against West Ham at King Power Stadium. They so nearly held on, but the Hammers were able to equalise late on. Um, coming up over the course of the next hour, we'll dissect that game. We'll look ahead to the Europa League clash with Randers. Uh, and these three will go head-to-head in our football Jenga. Uh, let's introduce the three of them then. Ewan Roberts, Tony Cotty and Jerry Taggart. Um, Jerry, Tony, it was nice to see the both of you in person. Obviously, Jerry, I see you all the time in person. But Tony, for the first time in a couple of years, you came up to, uh, to King Power Stadium. So that was nice. It was lovely, Danny. I mean, it's, obviously, it's great to do the Zoom calls and that from the you know, convenience point of view, I suppose. But it, it's nothing like going up to, to the ground. It's nothing like being at the ground. And it's just nice to see all the old boys as well. You know, not only did I see Tags and yourself and, and Matty, also saw Steve Walsh and also saw Ian Marshall as well, my old teammates. So it was lovely just to see everyone before the game and enjoy the football match. And it, it was quite a decent game as well, Danny. You and you'll be next up for, for coming up for a home game. I'm sure you'll be wanting to do that. Also, I assume there's some tired eyes. Were you up for the, the Super Bowl last night, were you? It, too late for me, Dan, too late for me. I mean, it, well, it started at about half 11-ish, didn't it? I mean, I was desperate to watch a bit of it, but normally they, they sort of start off at half 10, so I would have I watched the first half had it started at half 10. But, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't, because the Rams weren't, um, I didn't want them to win. I wanted the Bengals to win. <laughs> Well, you're over the professional. You knew you had extra time this morning, so you want exactly, to be exactly. and ready for, for football Jenga at the end. Uh, Jerry, you're <laughs> always refreshed and ready for extra time, aren't you, on a Monday morning? Am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was well, going to yeah, let you answer that This one. morning, definitely, definitely. You know, uh, they're getting them. Great to see TC at the grind. I was beginning to think it was a hologram, TC. <laughs> <laughs> But I actually, he was there in the flesh in the studio. So, yeah, it was great to see him. Good game, good game of football. Uh, and as you put it, Leicester just a bit unlucky right at the end. Just the, the same old, same old. We've been talking about it for time immemorial, haven't we? Set pieces at the minute. But, uh, but yeah, decent performance, especially in the second half. Very, very good. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give those viewers that the supporters that are listening watching along uh, an opportunity we will be talking about set pieces so if you want to switch off then you can do now <laughs> um, yeah Jerry it was it was just so close wasn't it Leicester they, they were just so close to getting a win that would have have completely changed the mood well you saw the mood change during the second half at uh, yeah. King Power Stadium everything would have been lifted wouldn't it yeah I think you know at second half performance we grew in confidence grew in stature more than anything uh took control of the game in the second half. You have to say, at the beginning of the game, West Ham started the game the better without, you know, actually pummeling Casper Schmeichel's goal like we seen the other night against Liverpool. But they were in control of the game. Uh, took the lead. And yes, they were struggling a little bit to find a way through. But I think, you know, we spoke about half-time and then about where the, the spaces were, where the gaps were for, for Leicester. And then... At the beginning of the second half, Harvey Barnes, it was a, I think it was Sonchu, put a left foot yeah. a pass down the left-hand side into the channel. Harvey Barnes gets on the end of it. And that just set the tone for the second half. Uh, after that, West Ham sort of lost their shape. The gaps between the, the, the front players, the midfield and the back line, you know, were, were stretched in the second half. Jewsby uh, Hall, Madison, T- started to find space in that midfield area 
and they controlled the second half for large periods, you have to say. Uh, you know, deservedly took the lead. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, we're great finish, great bit of build-up play. And, yeah, really promising. Uh, I think when you analyse both halves, you know, they, I'm not saying they looked lost in the first half, but they didn't look as if they had a, a clear directive. Yes, they, 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 they set up the players, they always do. But it was only at half time when they got in the dressing room and obviously sat down with the manager and the coaching staff that they worked out a, a different way of getting around this solid West Ham setup that they had, in, especially in the midfield area. They just completely blocked off uh, Leicester trying to play through the thirds. But, you know, at half time, there was a few words saying, uh, changed the tactics slightly. And it worked an absolute treat. Yeah, Tony, I think you used the term at full time that it was very much a game of two halves, wasn't it, that one? Oh, absolutely, Dan. I mean, you know, being watching the game there live, West Ham controlled the first half. Yeah. Leicester were getting frustrated. There was, I mean, I, I said to you, we saw the possession stats, but possession's great, but you've got to, you've got to make advancements. You've got, to, you've got to have possession in the opposition's half, you know, and a lot of the possession from Leicester was just passing it across the back four. Um, you know, that centre midfield where West Ham are really strong, Rice and Suchek, they, they blocked everything off. They couldn't get the ball into Pats and Dakar. And both myself and Tags, we touched on it at half-time, the space was out wide. And I'm sure that the manager and the staff, perhaps even the players, have said, we've got to get it out wide. And, you know, once they started to get Harvey Barnes on the ball and Sue Fowler, he didn't know which way to turn him in and got substituted. I felt sorry for him because Harvey Barnes absolutely destroyed him in that first 20 minutes. Um, but the, the space was out wide. Once they got the ball out wide, and, and just as importantly for me, I know Jewsby Hall was good in that midfield, but Yuri Tillemans in the first half, we didn't see him. But in that second half, once they got Tielemans on the ball, once he was able to get his little one-twos, get his, uh, his, his passing in range as well, there was a couple of beautiful passes, like 50-yard diagonals, and we, I was right behind them where I was sitting. And it, it, I thought he controlled that second half, whereas Rice and Suchek controlled the first half. Tielemans and Dewsbury all controlled the second half. And that was the difference for Leicester. But it was West Ham won the first half, Leicester won the second half, quite simply then. Yeah, in a weird way, you and West Ham comfortably won the first half. Leicester were able to, to get that equaliser so late on in the first half. Then the same again in, in the second, as Tony said. Leicester were much a better team. This time it was West Ham's turn to score late on. You look at, and, and TC's mentioned the stats in that first half. Leicester had 62% possession, but didn't really do anything with it, Dan. You know, I kept it in the back, went into midfield. Too many square sideways backwards passes, not looking forward early enough, um, and, and got away with one really um, to, to get that penalty. It was a penalty, you know. There's, there's no two ways about that when um, Cresswell, you know, it hit his elbow and got out of jail a little bit with with the Tillemans penalty right on the end of the first. The second half, I just think they were more direct. There was and, and Tags mentioned one ball, um, and it was seen to down that left hand side. Over the, the, the top of Sufal, um, and, and then you could see Harvey Barnes had him up. And there was another ball, I think it was, it was before <coughs> that one down the left, and I'm not sure who played it, but it's towards Patson Dacker, and he had a foot race against Diop, who'd, who'd had two or three yards on him. But you could just see that Dacker was getting there all the time, but didn't quite. He ran out of space in the end, was, and the ball uh, got to the goalkeeper. Tielemans over the top towards the end. Tielemans over the top. Yeah. And it, it, you just thought, 
you've got to use those tactics because then it gives West Ham something to think about. It stretches the pitch. They have to drop deeper, which meant then you could get it into Harvey Barnes. And that's all Leicester did. They got it into Harvey Barnes as much as they could. Um, and he, he created havoc down that, down that left-hand side. You know, it was a fantastic goal to, to take the lead. You know, that's, that's a great example of, I was going to say, an attacker attacking a ball that's been played into the box, but it was a defender. And I, mean, I, I heard yesterday, it's only the second goal that Leicester have scored, the second headed goal that Leicester have scored this season. I think only Jamie Vardy is the other player that scored with his head, which is quite remarkable, really. Uh, but it was, a, it was a terrific goal. And you, know, you look at that second half, it, Leicester were far better, far better, despite using a different tactic. It was, it was as simple as that. But once again, it was, it was heartache right at the death. You mentioned, Jerry, that the, well, the, the penalty has been mentioned. It, it was definitely a penalty, wasn't it? And, <laughs> and, and it was a bit of a get-out-of-jail card for Leicester at the end of that first half. Yeah, I think at half-time, David Moyes would have been scratching, if, scratching his head. If not, you know, <laughs> give, given, you know, wagging a few fingers at a few players in the dressing room, i.e. I, uh, Cresswell, Aaron Cresswell, you know, it was a... A big, big mistake by him. Uh, obviously, gleefully accepted by Yuri Tillemans, with a who dispatched the penalty fantastically well. But a big, big mistake, and and a half where, you know, you're controlling the game. Yes, Leicester forced a couple of corners in that first half, but really, that near post ball didn't really cause any problems. Should have been dealt with pretty easily. You have to say. In hindsight, looking at it and looking at it two or three times on the replay. So for a, a player of his experience and quality, Creswell, to give away such a cheap penalty like that is, you know, it's, you know, bordering on criminal. And so very, very frustrating for uh, for David Moyes at halftime, you know, to go in and try and sort that out. And whether or not that played into, you know, Leicester's hands in the second half, who knows, but it definitely wouldn't help because, you know, as TC said, they control the first half. Leicester huffed and puffed a little bit, but went in at half-time on level terms. It very much lifted the crowd as well, Tony, didn't it? I think the, the pass from Sunshine that we've talked about, the ball over from Tielemans to Dakar, they started to, to get the crowd going towards the end of the first half. It then took the goal, of course. And then from then on in the second half, the fans were right behind the team. I think it was a massive moment that that penalty being given down because if, if Leicester going losing one nil, um, you know there would certainly would have been a few moans and groans at half time when they when they walked off the pitch. Your team talk becomes a lot more difficult, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of the managers. So it was a massive goal for for Leicester to get. Um, just quickly on that handball now, I, I can never understand why players do it, and I'm. It's because it's so. I think it's an instinctive thing for players to do because you're trying to hit it, and because the, you think the ball's going to go past you, you think, "Oh well, I need to stop it because someone might be behind me." And he's put his arm up and done that. I just it just came to me while Tags was talking. There. I remember playing for, for Everton in a must-win game, the last game of the season back in '94. We had to beat Wimbledon, and and Anders Limpar handled the ball. He went over his head and he handled it like that because he thought someone was behind him. And it was the most one of the most stupid things I've ever seen. But it's it's crazy, and the boys know what I'm talking about. It's almost like an instinctive reaction when yeah. they think there's someone behind me. I've got to stop it. And you know, for him to do that, Creswell, it totally and utterly changed the game. For the obviously for the for the benefit of Leicester, 
half-time talk was done from Brendan. They come out, that ball goes over the top, Harvey gets on the ball, and from that moment onwards, it was Leicester totally dictated the game. But the, the fans were great, and you know, you sometimes you, you you sort of sit in the crowd and you you know people criticise the fans. But I've always said then that you you work hard through the week. You, you know, it's not cheap to go to football anymore. And if you paid your money, you, you you go into a ground and you've got every right to express an opinion. And the, the first forty whatever minutes it was from Leicester, as you had said, it was pass, 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 not going anywhere. There's going to be a few moans and groans, particularly off the back of the Liverpool and the Forest results. We, you know, we understand that, but. I thought the fans were magnificent in the second half. They really got behind once they come out and start the second half. The fans were great. And of course, there was a few groans at the end because of conceding that last-minute goal. But the fans, particularly in that second half, were great. Yuri Tiedemans was, was never missing you, was he, when he put the ball on the spot? It was a, a terrific penalty. And it clearly meant a lot to him as well with his celebration. Yeah, I, there's a lot been said about Yuri Tiedemans over the last few, few weeks, few months. It's, it's, Performance level has probably dipped slightly, but I think when you've when you've set such a high standard as he has, you know people notice these things. And there's talks about contractual issues and and, and one thing or another. Uh, but yeah, it, there was only one person taking taking that penalty kick, and that what's that five in five now? And the goalkeeper Fabianski has gone the right way, and it had to be right in the corner because if there was no margin for error. Once Fabianski had gone to his run, obviously Fabianski, he'd done his homework. He'd obviously knew that Yuri put the previous four to, to his right, to, to Yuri's left. But yeah, absolute pinpoint accuracy, and you know, he, he you know, he's got a great strike, good at set pieces, and we remember that strike at Brentford that he scored that rocket of a shot, the goal that he scored against Manchester United when he sort of looped it over to Haya. Uh, yeah, he was never missing that, and it was just what was needed. After the after the disappointing first half, just before the break, and from a, a Tiedemann's point of view, obviously the whole team was galvanised in that second half, as, as has been referenced to you. And Yuri Tiedemann's was pulling the strings, and it only it just takes something like that because he he tried a shot for halfway in the first half where it wasn't the best of angles. Uh, he'd, he'd made a run into the box, and I think two defenders had got back and. He's tried a, a, a sharp snot, a shot even, and it probably would have been better trying to pull it across the six-yard box. And it was a poor effort in, in the end. But you know, to get to get that free, to get that penalty kick to put it away, uh, his performance just grew and grew. In, he, you know, he, he ran that midfield for, for for the first 35, 40 minutes of, of that second half. And there was a moment as well, Tony, I think it was actually just after the penalty. Did, was it West Ham had, had come forward and they had a chance? Was it Lanzini or Fornals at the back post? Tielemans had sprinted back and he was the last man that helped d- defensively. I think it was right at the end of the first half, actually. So maybe you were getting sorted in the studio. I didn't see it, Dan. Yeah, I've yeah. got no idea what you're talking about. Because I just <laughs> get to the yeah. studio. Uh, Jerry, can you help us out? Are you? And I think it was just after the penalty. There was a moment where he, he yeah, Jerry, you're nodding along. He, he, he came yeah. back, didn't he? And he's got that. He's got those fitness levels now, hasn't he? He's up and down. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, maybe has got a little bit of burnout. You know, he was at the Euros in the summer as well. He started the season well. He's dropped off a bit. Who knows why he has uh, his loss of form has come in? But definitely, there was a couple of occasions. You know, you mentioned Tillemans. Madison was another one who got back on, on occasion and got a vital block in as well. So you can see that the fight is in the team. You see that they're backing the manager. 
uh, and you see that that it means something to them in that second half performance. Yeah, and I'm not saying, all right, they got in at half time and you know the managers had a few words. They, they had a set way of playing in the first half. It just didn't work. No. And with the changes, they got that joy. And you could see the determination in the players at how much it meant to them to try and get over the line yesterday and get the three points. So, And it's those instances that you're talking about, i.e. tracking back, getting vital blocks in, that, you know, that make the difference. I think in the first half, you know, I think it was Dewsbury Hall that made a challenge that that got the crowd going to begin with. You know, the crowd, the crowd were pretty quiet. And as Tony says, probably rightly so, because there wasn't a lot happening apart from, you know, Soyan Chu and, uh, and Daniel Amati just passing the ball between themselves. And then about halfway through the first half, Dewsbury Hall just goes in for this crunching tackle, wins the ball, and the crowd, you know, get right behind the team then. And that sort of not got Leicester on the front foot, but got them travelling in the right direction from there on in. So that just goes to show that when they talk about every challenge matters, every header, every channel, every tackle you win for matters, it shows you why people say that. Uh, and so for Telemans, the likes of Telemans, Madison, Jewsby Hall, to be tracking back, getting vital challenging, that is appreciated by everybody. Sometimes the game needs that, Jerry, doesn't it? Absolutely, because it was a bit, I'm not saying the game was boring, but there, there wasn't a lot happening wow. as, as far as Leicester City were concerned. And so when you see someone going in for one of those crunching challenges and come out the other side with a ball, you can see the lift it gives everybody. You know, it's an old school tactic. You know, the game's played on the floor. More and more, as the years roll by, they're trying to take these sort of challenges out. That's fine. But you have to say they're still needed in a game of football, especially to try and get the momentum going your way. Then you have to be, you have to be willing to go in and commit yourself to those sort of challenges. Before the game, Tony, Jerry asked Keane and Drewsby Hall to be one of the senior players in this game to, to try and get the form going again to, to make things happen. Something as simple as a tackle like that that gets the crowd going, that's what senior players do. He understood the game needed something like that. It's just grown in confidence, isn't it? We, we, we spoke about, I think I, I, I said I asked for the Leicester players to be brave on the ball. And it didn't quite happen for them in that first half. They, they was trying to get on the ball, but there was no creation. They couldn't find any space. And sometimes Tags is right. You just, you just need something to happen just to spark the crowd off. And, and it, I remember the tackle. It was a crunching tackle, a fantastic tackle. The crowd went, Wee! and then it, it just gets the momentum going again. But, you know, Jimsby Hall's been outstanding since he got into the team, you know, because... It, it must have been hard for him because he, he would have been scratching his head looking at all the players in front of him, the likes of mm. Tiedemans, the likes of Madison, the likes of Harvey Barnes, etc. You know, there's a list of, Wilfred indeed, there's a list of tremendous midfield players at the club and he would have been scratching his head thinking, how am I going to get in, into this team? I know I'm a good player because he's obviously a good player, but how do I get into this team? And sometimes as a young kid, you can get frustrated with it and, you know, get wound up a little bit and then when you do get your chance, it doesn't quite happen. But, what you can say about this kid is the moment he got into the team, he's been outstanding. And almost to the point where you get the feeling that Brendan is sort of thinking, well, Jewsby Holt, yeah, tick, he's in the team. And then he works it around it a little bit because he's played all the games, hasn't he? He's, you know, he's, been, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, he played really well in that second half. I've already mentioned Tiedemans and Harvey Barnes, but Jewsby Holt, 
crunchy tackle in the first half, and then he was then dictating. I love it when he runs with the ball as well, because when you look at him, you, you think he, he's not that quick. But then he run with the ball, and he was going away from a player. And you think, you know, when someone goes away from a player and they're running with the ball, I might only have been Suchet. I do give you that. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'm trying to say is I, I like the fact that he, he, a bit like what Declan Rice has brought into his game, Dewsbury Hall, who would look at someone like Declan Rice, you know, you've got to bring other aspects into your game. It's all right looking good on the ball and doing a little 10-yard pass. You've got to be able to do that killer 25, 30-yard pass. You've got to be able to run with the ball. You've got to be the all-round midfield player nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key word, all-round. All-round, yeah. And, and Dan, on top of that, he gives the team balance because he's left-footed. Yeah. So that natural balance that a left-footer gives you, playing on the left side, it just sort of... You know, keeps thing in town and keeps that that momentum on. Instead of people like chopping back on the right foot all the time, coming inside, he keeps the flow nice and steady down that left hand side. And as as Tony rightly said, you and that since I think it's November that he he came in for the first time, hasn't let his Premier League place go. I think both FA Cup games. I think he missed the Watford one completely. Um, and then the Liverpool, uh, the Forest one. Sorry, he was on the bench to start with. Other than that, in the Premier League, he's he's been starting pretty much every single game. After training, whenever we're down at once a week or twice a week at Seagrave, if they do training sessions. Kieran Drewsbury Hall is always staying late. He's always there after. He's always arriving early to go into the pool or or to do extra fitness work or do extra shooting at the end. He clearly cares about this football club and he cares and he wants to make himself better. And he wants to improve. It's it's as simple as that, you know. And he knows he's a fantastic football club. He's had to be patient, as as many youngsters have to be uh, this day and age. Um, and and since the very first moment he, he got into that first team, he's grabbed it with both hands. And and that's all you can do as a player when you've had to you've had to be patient. You, you've had to wait for your time. When that and that time it does come, you always get an opportunity if you're good enough. And he's quite clearly. Good enough. Um, he hasn't looked out of places. He hasn't looked overawed. Um, he, he looks comfortable. You know, he, he looks he looks the real package. Package and that, that second half yesterday, he was driving forward down that left hand side. I have to say, is when you talk about balance, I do think the performance improved when young Luke Thomas came on that left hand side as well. Mm. And you don't, you know, Justin Thomas, he suffered that niggly little hamstring injury. We hope he's not out for too long. I just think if you've got a left-footed left-back, I just think it gives you a better balance down that left-hand side. He's got a good understanding with, with Harvey Band, And I do think that things improved when, when Luke Thomas came on. Yeah, there was one moment, Jerry, in that, in that first half, I think five minutes after Thomas had came on, he nipped in, got a really good interception and yeah. started a counter-attack, didn't he? And, and that, again, <clears throat> something, something as simple as that gets the crowd going. Yeah, and he got forward and he started... Yeah making overlapping runs in support of Harvey Barnes. And we didn't really see that from James uh, in the first half. Uh, so, yeah, Ewan's absolutely spot on. You know, when you've got good balance on both sides of the pitch, it, it helps your cause. And for whatever reason with James, we know James loves driving forward and he's just come back into the team after yeah. a lengthy layoff. So, uh, yeah. But straight away, as soon as uh, young Thomas got on, look, Thomas, he was off and running. You know, we know he loves to challenge himself. He's, he, he's, you know, he's not afraid to go and go in where it hurts. Which again, against a team like West Ham, we spoke about it. The physical side that West Ham bring, they're a big team, they're a physical team. You know, that's right up Luke Thomas's street. 
and you've seen that yesterday. I'm just on Dewsby Hall again, I think. Mm. Potential captain there, by the way, in the future for me, Dewsby uh, Hall. You think he's got the potential to be that good? Absolutely. Player? I think, you know, you listen to Tony there by an all-round midfielder. I think he is... He's got that, and he's got that in in his bag, and he's got that leadership quality, as well as a quality on the ball, and his willing willingness to work off it and on it. He's also got those leadership qualities that, you know, at times we lack as a team. And he's from Leicester, Tony. He cares about Leicester. You, you can you see it is a match made in heaven, really. I was just going to say, when you, if you can possibly give the captaincy to a local lad who's come through the system, I think it makes a big difference. Um, obviously, my team, Mark Noble, they've had the captain there. who has been there for many years. We saw John Terry previous to that, Stephen Gerrard. There's been you know, some great captains over the years who've come through the academies and, and captain their club. And I think everyone connected with Leicester City Football Club would agree with Tags and say, you know, one day, if... If he earns the right, because that's the thing, he's not going to get it just because he comes through the academy and he's a local lad. You don't get the captaincy because of that. You get the captaincy because you show leadership, you know, on and off the field as well. And if you are then a local lad as well, then I think everyone at Leicester would love to see that. And he's a young kid as well. Obviously, Danny's only young, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, 23. So, 23, exactly. So you'd like to think he's got 10 more years ahead of him. You know, like obviously Casper's still there and he's going to hopefully be there for quite a few more years, but potentially in the long run. We are looking at future Leicester captain. I agree with Tags. And speaking of the academy and the young players, um, Ewan, it was the left-hand side of Thomas Barnes and Kieran Dewsbury Hall that drove Leicester forward in that second half. I mean, that must be great to see. That must be great to see, you know, for, for the people who have worked tirelessly um, at, at the academy, who's produced player after player after player. Um, that must give the football club and, every, and everybody involved so much pride. When you see three youngsters, you know, grabbing the game by the scruff of the, of the neck, as those three did in, in, in that second half. You know, it was great to see that. It really was. Absolutely. Uh, a word on, on James Justin. Brendan Rogers said after the game, he, he's not sure whether he's pulled it or not, which I, I guess is a good sign. He's going for a scan, though, on his hamstring. So we, we, we hope that it is just a twinge, obviously, because of his injury issues. And, and Tony, we've talked about injuries, I know, so much this season. Things were starting to look better, weren't they, from a Leicester point of view? And, and they were steadily getting players back. Yes, there's still the long-term injuries to the likes of Evans, Fafana, Vardy. But on the whole, players were starting to come back in. The squad was starting to look stronger. So if they do lose Justin again for a sustained period of time, it will be uh, really disappointing again. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, I feel for the kid as well, because as I said yesterday, you know, he, he would have worked so hard to, to get over what was a bad injury. The frustration. I was lucky with my career, Dan. I think the most I was out was was a couple of months where I had a cartilage operation. But you know, I saw other players that you know um, were out for months. In some cases, even even over a year. You know, the great Alan Devonshire I played with eighteen months. He went without playing football. You know, we all remember the problems Gazda had. You know, it, it, it's part and parcel of the game. But when you get those long term injuries, I dread to think what it must be like as a player. It must be so lonely. You're doing. You're working with a physio. And when you're injured, it's the worst feeling ever. You see all the lads trooping out to do their training and you're going into the, into the weight room or whatever it might be to, to do all the stuff that you need to, to do to get back to fitness. 
I mean, things medically now, fortunately, they've, they've improved so much. There's, there's a program, there's almost like for every injury, you, whatever the injury is, they look at it and say, right, boom, we're going to do this and there's a plan and you get the player back to where you want in a set amount of time. But the problem is, Dan, once you come back from those long-term injuries, you know, especially with James as well, because he's, he's almost been sort of forced into coming back into the team. You can't just bring him on every now and again as a sub because of the injuries at the club. So he's had to go back in. And when you do that, you, you're then playing games. Your body's not ready for it because it hasn't done it for the last year or so. And you pick up the little niggling injuries. Yeah. Let's hope it is just a If it is a twinge, it might be two or three weeks. If it is a, a hamstring tear, then it's four to six weeks, as we all know. And, uh, you know, he'll be out again and then he's frustrated and that. But he's a, he's a wonderful young player. We, we all wish him well. Hopefully the injury's not too bad. Uh, speaking of injuries as well, you and one player that we know has, has had horrendous injury problems at Leicester is Ricardo Pereira. To see him back yesterday scoring uh, a goal again against West Ham, which incidentally was the last team he'd, he'd scored against pre his yeah, ACL yeah. injury in, in 2020, was really great to see. He's, he's absolutely a, a fan favourite. Dan, I, I would have been proud of that head of myself, to be fair. You know, the way, the way he's attacked the ball, the way he's assessed the flight of the ball, he's got a cross Cresswell. You know, Cresswell might have been sort of caught on his heels slightly, but it was a fantastic run. And we know he's got those energy levels. You know, and, and, and Ricardo is another one that, when he, when he first burst on the scenes, he was unbelievable. He's probably up there with a, you know, your Trent Arnolds of, of, of this world is the best left back in, 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 the, in the Premier League, maybe in Europe with the performances that he was putting in for Leicester. You know, his, his runs up and down that, that right-hand side, is a, he was assisting, he was creating goals, he was creating chances. He was playing like, right, like a right winger, but in a flat back four. And it was, it was great to see him, you know, get that goal, celebrate it like he did. And so he was, he was a fantastic header. He could have, he was a pinpoint accurate, uh, powerful, Everything that, that you need. Good ball in by, by Harvey Barnes. Uh, once again, he had Sue Fulham on toast, didn't he? Uh, but yeah, it, it was fantastic, Henry. It really, really was. And, and we're all chuffed a bit for him because it's, it's been a frustrating time for Ricardo. He's sort of been, last 12, 18 months, it's been stop, start, stop, start. It's been sort of one niggly little injury after another. You know, hopefully now he can get a run of games under, under his belt from now until the end of the season. Ewan's right, Jerry, to pick out the ball in as well from Harvey Barnes, isn't he? He, he was given probably too much time to, to wait up the cross, but, but he did it so perfectly. Yeah, but he's earned that respect and he's earned that time, Dan, from what he'd done previously. The, the Sue Fowl, you know, in the lead up to that, you know, Sue Fowl tried to get tight with him. He's run past him two or three times. And when the ball comes over to him, you know, Sue Fowl's thinking, well, hold on a minute. He's inside the box. If I try and get too tight to him and he goes down the line, I potentially could be giving away another penalty. So he's earned that respect from Sue Fowl, Harvey Barnes, from what he's done previously. So that's afforded him the time to pick that ball. And that is, that is not an easy ball to get right. You know, because he, he's, he's not got it out of his feet. The ball is at a standstill on the spot and he's just clipped it. And that's a difficult ball to try and get right, pinpoint right, over the defender's head. As you say, the magician that is Ricardo does the rest. You know, as Ewan says, the time will run, the way he's attacked the ball. I mean, that, that was Alan Shear in his pump, never mind Ricardo. Uh, you know, that, 
Duncan Ferguson, you can name all the best hitters of the ball, you want. Roberts. But it is. You know, the lads are tight. Yeah, them two lads are tight. The way he's, he's spotted, it's not, one, one, it's not an easy ball. And the trajectory of the ball itself, it's not an easy ball to pick up early. It really isn't. When you've got a six foot four, six foot five defender standing in front of you, I think it was Dayop whose head it went over as well. And then you have to pick the flight of that ball up and then attack it, get in front of the last defender at the far post. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks. You know what was interesting? I don't know whether you guys have had a chance to look at it. Obviously, I was at live at the game. I didn't really yeah. see a replay in that. But I watched the replay this morning of that goal. And it's actually really good build-up play. And Ricardo's involved in the He's involved in it, yeah. That's right. And, and he, he sets the ball to Yuri Tillemans. And then he, he wanders into the box. And he's actually goal side of Aaron Creswell. Yes. And then what Aaron Creswell does, which is brilliant, he sprints in front of uh, Ricardo to get into a defensive position. But by doing that, once the ball's been transferred to Harvey Barnes, he's now got Ricardo's behind him and he doesn't know he's there. So as a result, when that ball's played in, Ricardo does it brilliantly. He lets Creswell get in front of him, and then he then goes in front of Creswell. And the desire he shows to get that header, I agree with everything he said. It's an, it's an amazing goal, and he puts it right in the top corner. I mean, even if Fabianski had dived and made an effort oh, yeah. or whatever, he wasn't anywhere near it. It was an incredible goal. But that it was it was the desire that I loved about it, you know, because it was Creswell's ball all day long yeah. until he nicks in front of him and that. But if, when you watch it, it's amazing to see forwards in front, defenders in front, and then the forwards in front to get the goal. It was it was a it was a brilliant execution from uh, Ricardo. I'm sure when he ran away celebrating you and he thought that was you and Roberts esque that header, Ricardo. Listen, he was naming everybody tags. He was naming centre forwards from 50 years ago, and there's one right in front of him. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I did. I mentioned you. I was just, you know, he was getting there. You and he was getting yeah. there. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it it deserved to be the winner, you and didn't it? But it, it wasn't. Um, let's very quickly do something yeah. on set pieces because. Leicester Don't punching. ask me this. No, I'll, I'll, I'll answer any more this. questions on set pieces. First, first and foremost, Dan, I can I can totally understand why why Brendan made the substitution that he did because obviously there's a, there, there is a big weakness with with set piece. I think that's the 14th goal that now conceded from 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 a set piece. Um, so I can I can totally understand on 89 minutes, you know. West Ham are going to go, th go th and throw everything into that box in the last three or four minutes. So, you know, you bring a centre-half centre who's six foot five and, and you take a midfielder off. So, I, 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 I get that decision to do that. I think nine managers out of ten would have done exactly the same. You, see, you look at the way West Ham pile bodies into that six-yard box, which makes it impossible for me, for, for Casper to come out and maybe punish it away. It's a good delivery in. It's, it's, a, it's a great ball in from Jared Bowen from that right-hand side. I mean, what I don't quite understand, it's quite clearly come off Greg Dawson's arm. I know there's a new rule or whatever where um, if, it's, if it's on the top side of the arm, or I'm not too sure, but it's quite clearly hit his arm and gone in. You know, how, how VAR didn't, didn't sort of realise, and well, they probably did see that, but thought it, it wasn't a handball, which beggars believe, to be fair. But he's still let he's, somebody still let let Craig Dawson run across them, and that's just not good enough. That's where 
your desire, your determination. It's one of those, as an individual, you've got to say, over oh, my dead body is the person that I'm picking up scoring. If, if somebody else scores, hey, I can't do anything about that. that. That's down to him then. But if I'm picking you up, there is no way you're getting a free header from this set piece. To, to play devil's advocate slightly, Tony, obviously you watch a lot of West Ham. They score a lot of goals from set pieces, don't they? They're a very good side at attacking them. And they've got some great players. The, the delivery from Cresswell, from Bowen, as we saw with the goal, is, is very good. Yeah, well, I mean, they've, they've got good delivery from both flanks. And then when you add in the likes of Diop, Dawson, Suchet, even Declan Rice, Antonio, you know, they've got, they've got what you would probably could argue Leicester haven't got. They've got aerial power. And you were earlier about the only two goals from headers. And that, to me, tells me that you haven't got the aerial power. Now, I'm not saying that you change your team around and pick everyone who's six foot four, because <clears throat> you can't do that. You've got to have a real good mixture. But um, it is deeply worrying. Um, the stats are there. You can't dispute the stats. Leicester are the worst at conceding from set pieces. Um, I, I think they, they were doing the zonal marking. I think they seem to have sort of gone a little bit little bit zonal marking and a little bit man-for-man man marking there and it, maybe there's a bit of confusion. Um, I, I know you don't always get time in between games, but if I was Brendan, I would have those players out there all day if it's necessary and just get the, the, the good players that Leicester have got to whip balls in, the likes of, say, Dewsbury Hall, and just tell him to whip the ball into the six-yard box, load it out with a load of under-23 players and get the tallest under-23 players you, you've got at the club and get them to stand in front of Casper Schmeichel and work as long as you have to work to get it to happen. Because there's two things, like Ewan's touched on it, you have to take responsibility as a defender. If the ball's coming near you, you can't say, oh, it's not my man or whatever, I'm not going to head it or leave it. You've got to go and attack the ball. Like what Tags and Walshie and Elliot and all the good boys yeah. used to do defensively, like what Ewan used to do when I played alongside him up front. You've got to you take responsibility. That's my ball. I'm going to go and head it. And then you get people like me saying, I'm not going to head it. I'm going to go to the knock-ons. <laughs> but uh, you know, coming back to the defensive ones, you know, two things. Defensively, you have to take responsibility as a defender. And secondly, I want to see Casper punching the ball. If, for me, it will never, ever change. You're going to argue with me as much as you want. If that ball's in the six-yard box, it is a goalkeeper's ball from the corner. I've always felt that, and I think I don't care. You just shove them out of the way. I don't care if it's Vestergaard. Get out of the way. I'm coming to punch it. And Casper was almost... I know Vestergaard didn't help. He was too busy sort of pushing his own player out of the way, at which point he couldn't then come and get the, the ball. And, you know, when it's when the header or off the arm, as it was, you know, it's four yards out. It's a goalkeeper's ball, in my opinion. The lads might say otherwise. I think it's a goalie's ball. If it ain't the goalie's ball, someone who's marking Dawson or near the ball has got to hit the ball. And it's just, you know, players have got to take responsibility. You, you know, it's all like saying, oh, Brendan, don't do this or we don't do that. I'm pretty certain that they would spend lots and lots of time at the training ground working on things. But if you're still conceding, you've got to work even harder. You can't just say, oh, oh well, we conceded again. We'll look forward to the next game. You, you know, because it's costing Leicester. That's cost them two points, two valuable points. And... You know, and if you go back through the season, look at how many points Leicester have lost because of set-piece conceding goals. It's probably 10 points at least. And, and you add those 10 points on, you're then in a contention for Europa yeah. now. Yeah. At the moment, you're in mid-table. Um, the, the VAR, Jerry, kind of had a half look. Uh, I, I believe mm. they said afterwards that they didn't see enough evidence to overturn the on-field decision, the on-field decision being a goal, obviously. But 
the referee is never going to be able to see that from the angle that he is with the bodies that are in front of him. I don't know. I don't know. I know we probably shouldn't. No, I think, I, think this, what, I think, you know, when you're seeing it live, no one, I'm not saying that it wasn't clear that it hit his shoulder, the top of his arm, whatever. Okay. So it looked like, a, okay, a clean header. Okay, it wasn't a bullet header, but it's ended up in the back. And I'm, I'm watching it live. We wouldn't have thought, oh, that's a handball. And then when you watch the replay, obviously his arm is by his side when he goes up and heads it. It does hit his, his arm. I don't know. I'm not too sure about the ruling uh, either, Ewan, but I think it's apparently if it's above the sleeve, yeah, then it's not a handball. As long as, long as you're not helping it in with your arm sort of thing. And I don't think he did that. Uh, but, you know, VAR, here we go again. Eh? Uh, at the end of the day, they had a look at it. The, the goal was given. And I said yesterday, the more concerning thing for me was the fact that it was another free header in the box. That's the, the most concerning thing. Uh, when you get to the last stage of the game, as the lads have already said, as a defender, this is your time to shine. It's as simple as that for me. This is your time as a defender to take full responsibility of the situation that you're in. Uh, and unfortunately, that didn't happen yesterday. You know, forwards get all the plaudits when they bang the ball into the back line at the other end of the pitch. Defenders get the praise when they stop the ball from going in their own net. And, in, and those are the situations I'm talking about. This is your time to shine as a defender. You should be almost willing West Ham to get a corner because you as a defender are going to stay up and say, all right, when that ball comes in the box, I'm heading it. I am going to make sure I get something on that to make sure that my team wins this game. And that is the attitude you have to have. And I know that sounds a bit strange. You're almost willing West Ham to get a corner, but... When it, when it does when things like that do happen in those in those certain instances in the game, I in, in the deep injury time, they're putting a bit of pressure on us. You have to shove everyone to one side and go right, bring it on, because I'm ready for it. And I, and that's the only sticking point that I have. I don't see that. I'm not saying there's panic in the box, but when you when you if you go back and analyse. Uh, that goal and other chances that West Ham had from corners that didn't go into the net. And the goal the other night against Liverpool. And it seems to me that offensively, they're not too sure what they're doing. They're not defensively savvy. They don't understand the, the, the jiggery-pokery, let's call it, that goes on inside the box between attackers and defenders. And you and Tony will know exactly what I'm talking about here. And for me, they're just a little bit lost in those scenarios where they're not defensively savvy enough to do well. Uh, well, they've got another opportunity on Thursday, you and don't they? The Europa Conference League, Leicester's first game. In that new competition, they, they face Danish side Randers, their fifth uh, currently in, in the Danish League. What are you expecting in that one? It's a good opportunity for Leicester to get back to winning ways. Well, what is it now? No wins in. In five, one win in, in their last six Premier League games need to start getting back to winning ways. And, and realistically, when, when you 
you're looking at a team like Randers, no disrespect, you, you know, you've just said that they're, they're fifth in, in the division. I think they lost to Bromby um, over, over, over the weekend. They're the lowest scorers in, in the top half of, of, of the, digi, the division. So it has to be one that, that the lads have to go out and win for me. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. There'll be hot favourites going into that one. Um, don't know what to expect from Randers in in in, in all honesty, uh, but yes, Leicester will be firm favourites, and they need to get back to winning ways because, like TC said about the the, the points that Leicester dropped, and he's spot on in, in what he said. You look at the last four Premier League games, Leicester have been in really good positions in three of those four. You know, the game against Spurs where they're winning, and they end up losing that one miraculously. The, the Brighton game, they they win the game one nil, then they concede. The one yesterday, they're in touching distance of, of winning the game and, and they, they dropped two points. You know, if, if you collect those points together that they've, they've, they've dropped in those three games, then they're not far off the, off the top eight, top, top seven, top eight, Dan. But yeah, it's, it's another competition. Um, another one I'm sure Brendan will want to go out and, and do well and go to the later stages of. What do you think he'll do team-wise, Tony, on Thursday? Uh, probably a couple of changes, Dan. I mean, let's be honest, with all the injuries, it's, it's hard to utilise the squad because you've got so many players injured. But, you know, I would have thought quite a few of the players that are on the bench, Ian Acho immediately springs to mind. I'm sure he'll play instead of Patson Dacker. And there'll be other players like Michael Brighton, maybe, who, you know, steady Eddie player that's going to come in and give you, you know what you're going to get with Mark. So, um, but it's, I've just had a quick look at the teams left in there. You know, you've got some decent teams. There's Celtic, PSV, Marseille. You know, there's some, there's some decent teams left in the competition. So it's not going to be easy to win. But this particular game, I see this game as a confidence builder for Leicester. I really do. And with the greatest respect to Randers, I think they're probably the equivalent maybe of a, a League One type of team. You know, they, they, they'll be OK, but they're not going to be the equivalent of a Premier League team. Um, I think the game will come down to one thing, Dan, and that's attitude. And I think if the right attitude is shown by Leicester, it's like, a, it's like an FA Cup game. When you're at home or away to a lower league side, you've got to have the right attitude, the right mentality. Because if you don't, then you're sloppy. We'll have a first half like what we saw against West Ham. And then all of a sudden, it's nil-nil half-time. And you think, we need a few goals because we've got to play the second leg away. So I think if Leicester pick a good team, which I think Brendan will do, if they show the right attitude, there's no reason why they can't get a nice confidence boost in, three or four nil win, and then you can relax a little bit for the second leg. Final point on Randers, Ewan. I know you were saying that they're the lowest scorers in the top half. I know that they, in their Europa League, well, their Europa Conference League group, rather, they came second in that. Uh, that AZ Alkmaar were in there at Jablonek and Cluj. Yeah. They only won one game of their six. They got seven points winning one game and, and that was enough to qualify. So that, again, maybe hints towards the fact that they've not been in great form this season. Yeah, I think they, they, they beat Cluj, I think, who have mm. been in the Champions League in, in well, the last three or four, four seasons. So, no, you know, I, I think they've got a capacity of just over 10,000 in, in their stadium. You know, they're not a Bromby. They're not a Copenhagen. You know, it's only a, it's only a 12, 12 team league, so for them to be midway in that division, I think tells you all you need to know, Dan. But it's all, as the lads have said, it's all about attitude, attitude. It's all about application, and and wanting to go out there and and win a game of football. Uh, any results, Jerry, that caught your eye over the weekend in the Premier League? 
Uh, I'll have to look them up. Then. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll come back to you, Jerry. You know we do this bit at the end of every show. Um, go on, Tony, uh, you can kick us off. Oh, well, I, I, I would say the one that caught my eye was probably Wolves winning at Tottenham. Then, and I mean, Tottenham were, were actually in a very good position in terms of looking for that you know, elusive fourth fourth position finishing in the Champions League spot. And it's 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 like no one wants to finish fourth at the moment because all the teams that uh, uh, sort of should be doing well and should be, you know, trying to catch the top three. They're, the, the top three are over the hill and far away. But in terms of fourth position, West Ham, as we know, drew at Leicester. Manchester United drew, didn't they? Um, I don't think Arsenal played, did they? But Spurs, like, they had three, two, three, four games in hand on, on certain clubs. And they just lost two home games. Lost at home to Southampton. And then they lose at home to Wolves. I don't know Wolves are a, sort of what you would call a dangerous team. On their day, they can sort of beat anyone, but you never quite know what Wolves team's going to turn up. But um, I think there'll be a, quite a few sort of uh, uh, mumblings of discontent, I think, with Tottenham losing those two home games. So for me, that was a standout result. Because if Tottenham had won that, you know, it would put them in a great position, chasing West Ham down in fourth. Uh, Ewan, let's give Jerry a little bit more time. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with TC to, to go to... I think that's the first time that Antonio Conte has lost three consecutive league games since about 2008 or something ridiculous like that. Two early goals. I mean, they don't score many goals, Wolves, anyway. I think they're the third lowest scorers in the division, but I think apart from Man City, no one's conceded less goals. Um, I think Newcastle, they're, they're on, the, on the march, aren't they? You know, a good win against, against Aston Villa at St James's Park, even though, I mean, how on earth VAR disallowed that Ollie Watkins goal? goal I, I don't know. Um, the former team, the first one, Watford. His big toe was offside. Like, so I'd, I'd be fuming, mate. Watford, they're in big trouble, aren't they? You know, they they sacked Claudio Ranieri, brought Roy Hodgson in. I think he's won one point in his in his first three games. They haven't scored a goal, and the Roy they're in big trouble. But yeah, I think the big one for me was Wolves going down to the, the Tottenham Stadium and coming back with those you know massive three points. And you know, obviously, Wolves are, are Leicester's next. Premier League opponents next Sunday. Yeah, that'll be a big one on Sunday. 4.30 kickoff, so Match Day Live will be on from three. Uh, finally, Jerry. then. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start by uh, going to one of my old clubs in the Championship and Barnsley. One for the first time in a very, very, very long time. So, well done to Barnsley. Whether or not that's uh, the start of a run for them, who knows? They're struggling at the minute. But as far as the, the Premier League, yeah, I was going to say, you know, Everton went in. Frank Lampard's just come in. Uh, obviously got beat last week. I think it was against Newcastle, but it's had a couple of decent results since he's come in uh, to Everton, which we all know was one of Tony's old teams. So it'll be interesting to see how he does now between, between now and the end of the season, Frank Lampard. Uh, I'm not saying he was... You know the favourite for a job. We've heard reports that Wayne Rooney was was offered a job and turned it down. Frank Lampard and one or two others. So, yeah, he he seems to have sort of settled the settled the Everton ship for for now. Uh, I mentioned the Wolves game, Match Day Live on Sunday. Of course, before that, it's Randers. That's uh, an 8 o'clock kickoff. so do join us from uh, 6.30 on Match Day Live. Before we do that, though, we've got to do our football Jenga, haven't we, at the end of that extra time. Ewan's uh, in red-hot form at the minute, as we know. 
uh, <laughs> to Jerry and to Tony. Um, right, the theme is with Leicester drawing yesterday with West Ham. Uh, I want you to give me, I'll name the teams that Leicester have drawn with in either the Premier League or the Europa League in the last three and a half seasons. So basically, since the start of the 2018-19 season, any team that Leicester have drawn with in either the Premier League or the Europa League. And Jerry, you can kick us off for us, please. Uh, Tottenham. <laughs> No. <laughs> you are joking me. <laughs> you are joking me. They've not drawn with Spurs in three and a half years. No. What out? Wow. Unbelievable. Well, Gary's out already. Yeah. <laughs> no boom this morning, Tex. No boom this morning. Yet. Right. Tony versus you and then. Well, I could go. Could I go West Ham then? Absolutely. Then? I, yeah. yeah. Surprised you didn't go for yesterday, Jerry. But we're. It doesn't matter. Tony said that. Brian Hunt over Albion. I'm going to be guessing at these, Dan. Um, I'm going to go Aston Villa. That is the shortest football Jenga that we've ever had when there's been three of us. No, Aston Villa is not one of the answers yet. There's always a win either way. So He's got the answer one right here. Yeah. How about Napoli at home in the cup? Correct. Is that all right for you? Is that Very all right good. for you, Tags? Very good. <laughs> I, think, I think Ewan's got all the answers up when he's screaming. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. gets all the answers up. I'll, I'll, I'll text you and the team before I've got my paperwork, boys, but I got, I, got, I got it completely wrong today. I, I told you that's why, that's why I didn't watch the Super Bowl last night. He was up the half day, but not watching <laughs> the Super Bowl. Smart. Is that, is that is that six on the spin, boys, or what? Well, no, 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 no. I beat you two weeks ago, you. No, you didn't, mate. You didn't. That was a, that was that was a boy. It's an asterisk, but it's a win. Yeah, uh, right. Someone. It's a win. Yeah. Boom! Snatch that handball goal from Dawson yesterday. <laughs> uh, the other teams that you could have had: uh, Arsenal, Braga, Burnley, Chelsea, Palace. Everton, Fulham, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester United, Norwich, Slavia, Prague, Southampton, Spartak, Moscow, Watford, and Wolves. So basically, get any, anyone except the two that means Chelsea. Apart from uh, Man City, Spurs, and Villa, you could have had any of the Premier League teams. There's <laughs> <laughs> your luck, Tex. Which is brilliant. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, uh, anyway, to you and back to winning ways. Uh, thanks, <laughs> Jerry, to you and to Tony. Uh, I think Jerry and Tony, we've got you both on Thursday. Yes, Thursday, Dan, yep. Yeah, uh, and then you and we'll see you hopefully whenever you're next on. But we do appreciate your, uh, your, your time and yeah, have a great rest of your week, everybody.